Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you so much for listening in today or viewing in however you got here. I appreciate you being here. We on the show are interested in helping people make wiser decisions, creating greater profits or abundance in their life and higher purpose, finding ways to really focus on your higher purpose and your higher meaning. And I can't think of anybody better to have that combination because they live it, they do it, they experience it than my friend, Mr. Jim Bunch, who I'm getting ready to introduce you to. Jim is not only a friend, but he is an amazing guy. He really is someone, as I mentioned, uh, walks his talk, meaning that he has been in the personal development space and business for many years from a personal standpoint for himself, but then going on to lead at very high levels in personal development. What he does now in his life, he's, he's really much an impact investor and an advisor. So Jim understands from tech companies to social experiences in the media world. And also we're gonna be talking today about energy and how energy is affecting this planet. He has many passions, but some of them are technology and transformation, whether he's investing or helping companies grow. This is a really common thread about him helping. He is a real big hearted guy that really likes to make a difference. He's a father, he's a husband, he's a surfer. He's a Southern California guy like me and doesn't live too far from where I am. He's been involved in multiple businesses and many startups. Uh, back in the early days, uh, another friend of mine and his, um, John Ashraf, where, where they were involved in a tech startup company that became very successful. So his passion flows through all that he does. So I'm excited to have Mr. Jim Bunch today talking today about actually solar energy, our planet, and how we can all better the world. So welcome, Mr. Jim Bunch. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Jim, you have, as I just mentioned in your your bio, then there's so many more things to talk about about what you do. How do you most identify? Like when when you think about, you know, I sometimes I'll look at my bio or what I do, or I'm looking on a social feed and something pops up about some somebody said something, and I'm like, oh wow. Sometimes I forget I did things or I was part of something. I'm like, oh wow, and it brings back great memories. But if you're thinking about yourself in your daily life right now, about all these amazing things you do. Either A, where are you spending most of your time in these business ventures that you do? And how do you identify yourself in that category of serial entrepreneur? Well, I think the real reality is it makes me realize I've earned some of this gray that I'm starting to get on the sides here. Um, <laughs> but where I invest most of my time now is in two of our primary ventures. Um, and they're, they're a subset of something called Impact CEOs, but basically Power, which is the company that uh, I think you most are heard about recently because of all the, the news and all the media and everything that's happening in our, our rankings in Inc. 5000. Um, the other one has been a passion of mine for 17 years now, and that's Ultimate Life. And that is teaching entrepreneurs and business owners, how do you maintain your happiness and health while you're off changing the world or creating wealth? And um, that has been that de delicate balance for many years, because as you know, when you start a new venture from scratch and scale it to you know, millions and millions or hundreds of millions of dollars or billions in, in this case, um, you know, it consumes a lot of your time and energy. 
And, you know, how do you do that while maintaining a marriage, while maintaining, you know, being a great father, taking trips with your friends, your family, et cetera, et cetera. That is, um, I, that's something that I've been practicing just like a doctor would practice for 30 years now. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, when you and I met many years ago, I, I, I instantly noticed about you. I mean, you're a fit guy. You like to ski. You like to surf. You like to be active with your family. You're always doing adventures and you always seem to be excited about things. Like you're always, I, I, and I learned about you. You don't usually get involved in something unless you can be excited about it. And then you sustain that excitement and you're usually a leader in those things. So how early on did that that gene uh, that you have that's a benefit come? Was that since you were a teenager that you've had this drive or this ability to want to transform and then also be a leader with positive outlook? Has that been in you since the beginning or have you cultivated that? I think we all have a DNA inside of us, a spiritual DNA that can and hopefully will get activated at some point. I can trace backwards and it's easy to see in hindsight how one thing led to the next to the next. But I, you know, for me, pain led to growth. You know, in reality, I grew up in a very small town. It was actually a town called DeBerry, Florida. It had one stoplight and 13 bars, right? So, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the environment that, you know, you and I live in today where we, you know, I live on the beach in, in San Diego, Southern California. Uh, right. I traveled to amazing spots. I didn't grow up in that. And so my, my uh, activation probably came from watching Miami Vice and seeing the homes and the cars and the stuff that I was like, wait a minute, I didn't even know people live like that. Yeah. Um, so that separation from that, that reality and going, wait a minute, maybe there's more. And I think in the early days of my entrepreneurism, I was probably excited about making money. You know, I was excited about that more than I was the impact. And then when I met uh, Tony Robbins years later and some other business mentors, they started talking to me about having purpose aligned with that. And so I think that's where the conversation first came in. I got into that personal development world, but then I was like, man, there's real businesses that are making real changes in the world, cleaning up the environment, you know, energy, transportation, education, things like that. And so I started realizing if we take this mindset stuff, which some people can be like, well, that's kind of airy fairy, hocus pocus, you know, positive thinking. But man, when you apply that with some real business and uh, opportunities and principles, you create incredible cultures where people thrive and industries can be disrupted. And I think mm -hmm. that meshing of that is what's probably been the formula that's allowed us to create, you know, multiple multi-billion dollar companies. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, not only were you involved in that personal development space in the early days, you mentioned some of the names, Tony Robbins, you really were around some of the top names in the industry of people that understand personal development with the Tony Robbins of the world, Jack Canfields, Brian Tracy's, and you not only were involved in taking their courses, you were involved in sometimes helping them put butts in seats for back, lack of better words, where you were selling their concepts from a marketing standpoint, a sales standpoint. So you got to the high level of, of sitting at tables with these folks and learning from them firsthand versus just their courses. So when you started applying that, those, learnings to then this purpose-driven or higher driven make a difference uh, impact investor as one of the things is, is on your bio. Did that come and then bring you more fulfillment when you combine those two things? Or did that impact portion take a while to catch up with making the money piece? Yeah, I, I think it's a, and again, everybody's going to be different, right? I don't know that there's one formula that works for every 
person. For me, when I started my first business, which was in college in the nutrition space, it took me from thinking I wanted to be a doctor or a dentist into I wanted to be a business owner. So right there is the first time that I felt like I knew that I had a purpose and that was to help people become healthy. Well, I was I was 19 years old at the time and I figured out, wow, I can sell these supplements. I can make money. I can travel. I can do all these things. That led me then into personal development where I really needed to change my mindset because if I was if I'm honest with myself, you know, I grew up in an environment where there was alcoholism, where there was scarcity, where there was all these things. And I didn't even realize that that was my mindset until I got around the people who showed me, wait a minute, your thoughts make a difference. And so, you know, after Robbins and then Bob Proctor, John Asraf, and then Jack Canfield and then coaching and all these things, it was working on me a lot, even though I was working inside that industry and that business. And then when I got into technology, um, that's really where things started changing. And I went, wait a minute, we can leverage technologies to disrupt industries, but it, to truly be disruptive and to sustain, you have to have certain things in your mindset and your teams, right? So to grow, for example, bamboo.com is one that you mentioned. And that company grew so fast. We grew from six employees to 1,500 employees in just a little bit over a year. That's, yeah, that's massive insane. growth. <laughs> that's massive growth. And, and, and Bamboo was, for those of you that might have been in the real estate business now or then, that was back before virtual tours or having video tours of real estate properties were even a thing. Uh, so now it's kind of commonplace. If you look on Zillow or Redfin, everyone's going, oh, check out the video. What well, you guys were like the original founders of how that could even be stitched together with photos and made happen. So uh, you and John and your team, literally, you went from, from how many employees to how many over a year and a half? From, from six to 1,500, and we went from insane. zero to 30 million in revenue. We brought on 100,000 clients, real estate agents in our first year, and we did an IPO on NASDAQ, and then we did a merger of equals. That all happened within you know less than two years. Wow, and that's so it was, insane. And that was during dial-up days. Remember the, yeah. <laughs> you know, AOL the, tone, and, yeah, the, the dial-up sound, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it was, it was crazy. Scale. What a ride we, that must've been. I mean, you guys were young then. And so not only were you getting your chops on business, but also how to, how to receive success, how to experience success, the money, the fame, whatever, all that came with it. That's a lot to absorb in a short amount of time. And then to lead people into a successful process of that. So you and, uh, 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 John had to really earn your chops there. And I'm sure you have many stories to tell. We could cover on another podcast of what days didn't work so well, which ones did, and what were some of the high life, high life results of that. Uh, but you know, it, that set your tone for then understanding levels of success of not at small levels. You've done things that you don't think small. When you do stuff, you think big. So what advice would you, be, you give to leaders or entrepreneurs that might be in places right now of needing to think bigger or needing to take risks. What's your attitude now years later? You're saying a few of the great hairs. Do you have a different perspective on risk-taking or growth or fast, rapid growth compared that you did back then in the early days? Yeah, 100%. Well, first off, when you're young, you can roll the dice because you've got time on your side, right? You can recorrect, you can adjust, you can afford you know, small and massive failures. And I've had both. And I think at some point people need to hear about the failures because that's where some of our best lessons and redirects come from. Um, but I would say that, that even as I've gotten a little bit older, my relationship with risk has changed, meaning 
I, I'm, I'm in this place now where let's say I live to 100. Let's say I live to 54 because I'm 53 now. Who knows, right? Either way, if I came here and I didn't accomplish what I wanted to and I didn't experience what I wanted to, to me, that's the only failure. So when I talk to entrepreneurs, I say, listen, it's going to take you the same amount of time to fail small as it would to fail big. It's going to take you the same amount of time to win small as it is to win big. You have 24 hours in a day. And I don't ask people where they spend their time because I think that's the wrong approach. When you spend time, that's a loss. When you invest, I invest. So I'm always looking for a return. I'm looking for a mental return, an emotional return, a financial return, a spiritual return. You know, if I go to lunch with somebody, I'm not spending time at lunch. I'm investing in that experience. And the same with building a company. So I could be investing my time with my son, my wife, my friends, my family, or I can invest my time in my projects. And I think that's where people need to recognize is the bigger the project is, the more fun it is, the more resource you gather, the more insight you have. To me, that's just the, the way more fun. Like if you're going to do something that's worth trading your life for, and this is a key point, every single second that you breathe, you've just traded your life for whatever you're doing. You'll never get that second back. So where you invest that time better be aligned with what you value the most. Because at the end of the day, that's the only one you have to answer to is, did I come down here and invest the time in a way that inspired me? And if it inspired me and it happened to impact other people and it happened to create wealth and all that, fantastic, right? But it, it's all yeah. about what inspires you. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, inspiration and just the words of that. I even think about that in the way I asked you that question at the beginning of the, of the show about where are you spending most of your time now? So even uh, turning that into investing, it's the words that we use. So it's the thoughts, the words, the deeds. So just that little thing on reminding myself about that or anybody that's listening, I, I do talk about that all the time when I'm consulting and coaching people about where they're either investing, you know, or is an expense or an investment on their PL or their budgets. But in the time factor, that's even more important than that feature. So just that little change of language and then assessing how risk changes at different levels of your life. That's another barometer to really look at. And I totally resonate with that every second you breathe. So investing time with friends, family or whomever. And if you don't want to do it, seriously realize you have a choice. There is nothing we have to do, uh, including, you know, people say, well, I got to pay taxes. And well, you can also choose not to pay taxes. There's always consequences, but you can make decisions based on investing your time. So speaking about spending uh, or investing your time and focusing on where your passion is and making different, let's roll into then this uh, passion project that's really changing the world in a lot of ways. Uh, you have a friend, uh, an associate of yours, um, uh, Mr. Bud, uh, and uh, I'm going to let you talk about Jonathan Bud of Power and how you guys met and then how his vision and his, um, you know, people can go to the site. We're going to have it in the show link. It's uh, P-O-W-U-R, um, not E-R, uh, but it is a, uh, something that came to life when Jonathan was on his own spiritual quest and his own adventure taking. So can you give us a little Reader's Digest version of what is power? How do you know Jonathan and how are you involved? And then I want to dig into the depths of the solar industry in general and what's happening in the environment. So let's start, though, on the origination of it. 
Sure. So the, the origination was uh, Jonathan and I had met because we had both owned other businesses and, and two people said, you two need to know each other. Jonathan's a little younger than me at the time. He was looking at how does he enter into one of the industries that I was already in. So they kind of hooked us up to, to be a mentor kind of coach relationship. We became friends very quickly, realized that both of us had been donating money to the same nonprofit, which was run by a dear friend of ours, Lynn Twist, which is there to educate yeah. people and the impact we're having on the environment. So that's the connection point. And then from that, uh, I got a call from Lynn one day and she said, hey, we're taking a small group of people down to the Amazon rainforest to be with this tribe called the Ashwar tribe. Now, the Ashwar tribe is the first tribe. They're indigenous for thousands of years. The first tribe that was successful in keeping the oil companies from invading the Amazon and in essence, destroying their land where they, they live. So uh, they're a warrior tribe. So anyway, she says, we're going to take a small group down and I want to send an invite to you. So I decided to go. And then I immediately knew that Jonathan was supposed to be there. So I sent Jonathan a message like on a Tuesday afternoon. I said, I'm going to the Amazon rainforest and I think you're supposed to be there. And he's like, what are you talking about, man? So anyways, he said, yes, we go down there. And just to paint the picture a little bit, this is one of those things where you have to just kind of know you're supposed to go this direction because there's no way to, to understand or know in advance what was about to happen. Mm, but we, yeah. we hop on this, this hopper plane and we fly 200 miles deep into the Amazon rainforest. There are no roads. There are no hospitals. There are no groceries. There is nothing but rainforest and the Amazon River. Right. Wow. So you're you're down there. You know, it's pack in, pack out kind of thing. And we land on this tiny little, you know, dirt runway that they had just cut down the trees. And I was like, we're landing on what? <laughs> like we're circling above. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is straight out of like this is where you're assessing risk again. You're like, oh man, this is risky. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we're already in and we're not flying back. Yeah, so we can't turn around back. now. <laughs> so uh, which is probably a metaphor for how all this started. But we yeah, we that's get that, right. Yeah. And uh, they don't speak English. As a matter of fact, they have to have a Quechua translator who translates into Spanish that then translates into English. Oh, they put wow. us in a boat and they, they, we start down the Amazon River and they take us to this lodge, which is basically a nice word for uh, a, a, a hut on the water with a mosquito net between you and everything that wants to eat you. Right. So, uh, so we're, we're deep in the rainforest and, uh, it was an amazing trip and partway through, um, they said, Hey, we're going to see if we can go find the shaman today. And I'm like, what do you mean find the shaman? Well, he doesn't have a, a cell phone. There's no phones. There's no way to call up the shaman and say, meet us here. So we hop back in this boat and we go down the river and sure enough on the side of the, 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 the embankment in the Amazon river with all these noise and all these animals and everything stands a gray haired old guy. And that's the shaman. He had been waiting for us. Now we're there for days. Anyways, he's there. He takes us back and they prepare us for the ceremony. And that night in the middle of the Amazon rainforest with just this incredible sky, because you're at the equator and the, and the, the, star, the stars look like somebody took a, a paintbrush and just painted it with white. It's that thick down there. Right. Wow. And just shooting stars and beautiful. It was incredible. We're laying on these banana leaves. We were working with the shaman. We were, uh, you know, using plant medicine, ayahuasca, which yeah, I yeah. used to not tell people about. And now I'm like, that was a part of our journey. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, on that plant medicine, Jonathan has the vision that we need to come back and build the world's first 
clean technology platform that allows the world to shift from fossil fuel to clean energy. And that vision comes through. He knows it's his purpose. He knows that's what he's supposed to come back and build, but we were both doing other stuff. So long and the short is that's what we did. That was 11 years ago. And uh, that company has grown from zero, you know, us uh, to a million, to 2 million, to 5 million, to 8 million, to hundred million, to 200 million. Last year, this year, we projected 300 million. We're already surpassed that. And that was before all the signing of the, um, you know, the internal, um, the IRA, uh, the inflation reduction, reduction act and all the things that are happening. It's just been scaling like crazy. So, um, it started with plant medicine and it has grown now to thousands of people that are out there every day, not only helping homeowners go solar, uh, which is a great value proposition, but we've added a roofing division. We've added an electric vehicle uh, charging division. We're adding a HVAC division. We'll eventually have electric vehicles, anything that allows someone to shift to clean energy. And that's what's so cool about this is it's almost like amazon.com or Uber. We've built this software platform that allows the crowd to make this migration and this transition. So, um, I know that's a long story of the origin. It's an awesome story. It's like one of those that could go on because it's so intriguing. You can picture it like in a film. I can see this on a, an indie film, like just already unfolding as you were explaining that. I remember you telling me the story before and I was as enamored them as, as I am now. Uh, and we're going to, we have a break in about three minutes, but we're going to come back and talk much more also about the IRA, the energy bill, but also how a company goes from zero to 300 plus million. Uh, as you talked about the bamboo company, this one is doing it in a different way and had inceptions in a, and has different causes as well. So we're going to have a whole nother segment we'll come back on and dig deeper. But I'm curious back on the Amazon forest on this ayahuasca journey, uh, coming back on that, because that's become very uh, common in place in at least people talking about it in recent recent year or two with celebrities or leaders or thought leaders going down and experience this in different ways. So Jonathan had this vision of now, obviously it has re re resulted in that inception and other people getting into that and investing their time impact there, including you. Was yours uh, experience in any way aligned similar with his? Did you guys have any common visions or did you have something completely different that was your experience that opened you up to other things besides his? And you guys just obviously had a common bond afterwards, but I'm curious about your experience on that. Well, keep in mind, I've been working with different shaman and ceremonies since I was in my mid twenties. So this is one of, you know, many, and, and for me, it's just when I'm called back to the medicine kind of thing. And I've done all kinds of personal development work and all these things and all that. So for me, um, it aligned, but it wasn't like, that's my vision, but I knew that I was supposed to be a part of it, uh, and to help, you know, bring this to life. Cause it's one thing to have a vision. It's another to raise the capital, to build the team, to execute on it and to go through, you know, the hardest years in our case were when we didn't have all the capital and resources. It's the first five years of that business where we were figuring it out and we were casting the vision. We were talking about the mission. We were doing everything that it took to build the software foundation similar to what amazon.com and Bezos did where for years people thought, well, this guy's just building a, you know, an online book company. 
right? What is that? But he was building the foundation for the ability to sell anything to everybody. We've been doing the same thing. I mean, we were putting, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month into the software from the beginning of this thing before we hit, you know, a hundred million, two hundred million, three hundred million. So yeah, um, those you were building those- it. You were building it knowing they were come. So, but you did that early on investment, not only of your time, your word, your energy, but also money. So let's come let's come back and talk about that. We're going to come back with Mr. Jim Bunch here and talk more about life's purpose, building businesses, following your passion. Um, And we will also find out how these new legislations that have been passed can monetarily not only help you, but also help have other ways that are going to help impact the planet. So come back and listen in on the Alchemy of Business. We will be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. We are helping people find ways to impact the world by doing these things, finding ways to make wiser decisions in your businesses or life, finding ways to create more abundance in money, but also in prosperity, health, happiness, and also finding ways to have higher purpose and higher meaning. Before the break, we were talking with Mr. Jim Bunch, uh, who is a serial entrepreneur and an impact investor. We were focused on some of his journeys. We're sliding back now after the break and talking about a specific company that he's very proud of called Power. And Power is uh, a company, uh, Jim, that you were telling us about before the break that was originated uh, from the Amazon rainforest with some adventures you and Jonathan Budd took. But now it's a full-fledged company that is thriving, is growing, uh, it's impacting. And before the break, you were saying that you went from zero, you and Jonathan people, investing, and you went from X amount to X amount to this last year, I think you said 300 million. Um, And there was a, a recent bill that was just put into legislation, the IRA bill, which also impacts energy. Can you bring up to speed for those of us that don't know what that bill is? And then I want to talk about how this impacts your company and how this impacts the end user. uh, And then we'll dig further from there. Yeah, I think it's one of the most incredible legislations that's been passed. And it is a lot of money. It's hundreds of billions of dollars that are flowing primarily into the electrification of our country, as well as into healthcare. And so if you take a look at the energy industry or sector. It is a massive, massive industry. And in the United States, as an example, uh, a lot of people don't know, but there's three primary electric grids that we all plug into, uh, Texas being on its own, which is why when the ice storms happen and it shut down, it it shut down everything because that's its own grid. Um, But what they also don't know is currently there's over 11,000 independent utilities, which are privately or investor owned utilities that power those three grids, which means that the 130 million homes and the millions of businesses that are pulling from that, you know, pulling the energy from the grid, they're all dependent on this infrastructure. And I don't know about you, but I don't see a modern world that exists without energy. Right. If yeah, we if we have sure. we have the brownouts here, you were talking about you know getting the notification on your phone about you know the power going down. The, the this grid needs to be upgraded. And what's happening is we're shifting from kind of like we did with you know horse and buggy to the automobile. It's a structural shift. The same thing is happening in our country and our world. We are moving from burning something for energy, fossil fuels to harnessing you know the sun the wind the 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 water and when we do that we have to not only produce energy we have to be able to store it then distribute it and that's the key 
is to have a decentralized grid, not a centralized where it can all crash, right? Which puts us at military risk. It puts us at all kinds of risk. We need a decentralized grid where everyone can produce, store, and share energy. That's what we're moving towards. So the platform that we're building is accelerating the adoption of that shift to clean energy. And that energy uh, piece, which is so necessary when you were saying decentralized, it kind of made me think of some other stuff I'm working on in the blockchain and in the, in the DAO of people that are decentralizing information. But we'll, we'll, we'll come back around on that one. Let's stay on this thing because my mind was going somewhere else is on this on this need. And it definitely is an infrastructure need. So that brings up some points about people who believe this is necessary. There's a group of people in the United States and the world that believe what you just said is necessary. There's also another moderate group that's in between that. And then there's another group that's very opposed to some of this happening. They believe it's unnecessary or it is not real. So what I mean by that is if there are groups of people or individuals listening to this show or watching the show or that um, might be having these conversations in other rooms that say global warming or the need for the planet to, to evolve and to have different ways to create energy because the ways we're doing it are harming things. What are some of the arguments as you have been in this space from either people you've hired, customers, naysayers that are on that other side of the coin? What are the most common things as to why not do this? Because what you just said seems so logical and it seems so like, oh, yeah, that sounds great, uh, on at least the way my brain works. But there's another group of people that say, no, this doesn't work because this isn't necessary because this is wrong because. So can you give us that other side of the coin? Yeah, and I want to I want to align with that type of thinking first and help everybody understand. Listen, there was a point in my life where I was driving a gas guzzling Porsche and Range Rover, and I was taking jets around the. I, I get it, right? I was completely unaware of the impact that that was having. And whether you consider global warming a thing or climate change a thing or whatever, you know, I, I've got plenty of people that are like, hey, if we can just have cleaner air and cleaner water, that makes sense to me. Right. And, and what was interesting is you saw this happen when COVID uh, happened and all of a sudden the world shut down. Right. Never before in our history, modern history, have we had everybody just push the pause button for a year or two. Well, what ended up happening? If you look at the death rates and this is what kind of locked more in for me, you know, we would lose on average before COVID about seven million people a year would die because of air quality. In other words, airborne particulate would get into their lungs and it would kill them. Seven million people a year. Wow. Now, what was interesting is when we quit flying our planes and our cars and our trucks and our factories and everything that's basically just pushing stuff up into the atmosphere. When we quit doing that, we lost millions of people to COVID, but we dropped the death rate by millions of people who, who weren't dying of airborne particulate disease. So I kind of look at that and I go, whether you believe that uh, warm, global warming or climate change is an issue or not, that to me comes down to education because mm -hmm. I can tell you 10 years ago, I don't know that I believed it either, but for mm -hmm. 10 years, I have looked at the, the data and I've looked at the science and then there's just common sense, which is, wait a second, when I was a kid and I grew up in Florida and we'd have a class five hurricane, which was 150 miles an hour, we would run for the hills, right? We would hunker down right. and yeah. we'd be like, that's 150 mile an hour winds coming through. But here's the core question. Are we having 150 mile an hour storms or are we having 200 mile an hour storms? Are we having smaller or bigger? We're, the, the planet is having bigger and more frequent and more powerful 
weather events. Yep. Now, whether it's hot or cold is irrelevant because we're going to have super hot. Like right now in San Diego, they're, they're giving in California, there's fires and there's power outages. And it's just, you know, it, it's consistent every single yep. year. It's getting worse and worse and worse, right? That's an extreme. On the other side, you're seeing ice storms in places that never even got hail or snow. And you're seeing, you know, you're seeing floods. You're seeing what some people go, geez, this is the last book in the Bible. Right. right yeah, being, exactly. Revelations. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about that, if you want, and I know we'll go to the spiritual conversation, whether you're religious or spiritual or whatever, whatever your thing is, the simple reality is we are in a time of massive change. We are changing. Technology is changing. The planet is changing. And we're either going to adapt or we're going to be a part of the sixth mass extinction. And this is the data that I got into that really woke me up. And, and I encourage everybody to Google it. And what I found is, is the only people who can refute some of this data and really make a case for it are the people who are profiting from it staying the way that it is. And listen, I get it. If I was making $10 billion a month selling people fossil fuels, I wouldn't want it to change either. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, that would be a hard decision, yeah. but I'm not. And I'm going, wait a second, what's best for my son and his potential family and their family? Well, if you look at the data that talks about this thing called the sixth mass extinction, there are charts that show you the animal species just 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And what, what is happening now to the animal species, the plant species and the human species? If you look at it, we are in mass decline, mass decline. As a matter of fact, Elon Musk was talking about it recently. His biggest concern is population die off. Do you think that in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you know more or less people that are dealing with cancer? More. Exponentially more. As a matter of fact, in our executive board meeting in our quarterly last week, 50% of the people in our boardroom had either them or their close family Family dealing with cancer. 50%, right? Our best friend is dealing with stage four right now. And when I look at this, I'm like, how did we get here? Well, it isn't because we're, we're breathing clean air and eating healthy food and drinking healthy water. That's not the case. We are a byproduct of our environment. So as you stack more and more evidence, and as you start to look at what's the agenda to, to propagate a certain narrative, right? I, I could, I'll tell you, my agenda is, is to move us to clean energy, not only so we can build a game-changing business and get us off of fossil fuels, I want to clean up the environment. I also want to shift the power back to people. I think people should be able to produce and store and even distribute or sell their own energy. I don't think a handful of people should. I think the world should. And so I'm very clear with that agenda, right? Yeah. Well, and that's also, the, whole, the whole gig economy that came of giving power to people right from the seats of their house versus not have to go through a company or a corporation has changed the world. So your concept that you're just talking about is already relevant in so many other ways that are impacting the planet now. So that only makes sense. And as you finish that, I want to come back and dig on how you're doing that for your people and your company uh, from the way you have a unique way of changing energy, not only for the way it's produced, but how it's being sold. So go on with your thought. I want to come back to that. Yeah, the main thing. So your, your core question was, you know, the people who are against uh, this yes. narrative of climate change or whatever, um, you know, the climate is changing. It changes every morning, right? I wake up in the morning and it's cooler in the morning. It's hotter in the afternoon. It gets wetter at night. Like I live on the beach here. So climate changes every day. The question is, is are we pushing our climate to a place where the extremes are no longer 
inhabitable or at least enjoyable for us. And that is happening. And if you want to get in the research, most of it is because of the amount of carbon that's in the air that now has to drop or be sequestered into the ocean and into our rainforests. That's where all this carbon is going. And it's changing the temperature on the planet because the water is what regulates the temperature. It's already gone up across the all the oceans. We've gone up by one degree. So we've gone from 150 mile an hour storms to mega storms at 200. If we stopped all carbon production today, like we did during COVID, we would still have enough carbon in the air that when the ocean sequestered it over the next 50 years, it would go up by at least one to two more degrees. So mm -hmm. we're already, unless we start sequestering and pulling carbon out of the atmosphere, we're already guaranteed even more extremes in our life. So what are you going to do? You're going to build stronger buildings, right? The government's right. saying no. The right. government's saying we're going to actually build bridges that when it's wiped out, we can inflate a bridge and get people from point A to point B. They're like, we don't know if we're going to have 500 mile an hour or a thousand mile an hour storms. So this is already coming. And what we can do now in the next seven years, and if you look in New York, I, Steve, have you seen this? Have you seen the clock that used to, uh, in, in New York, it used to do the count, the amount of debt we had, the U.S., it would yeah. count up the yeah. amount of debt? Yes, yes. Do you know what that is now? No. It's a countdown timer for humanity. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a little, a little dark and pessimistic, but also a wake-up call. And then, and and when you swallow that pill and you get to the place where you're like, wait a second, okay, that's a tough pill to swallow. And how many years is what the next question would be? How long, how long is it counting down until we've reached a place to, of non-sustainability? It's got seven years on that clock. Oh, wow. Right? So now you got to ask yourself, okay, am I a part of the solution or am I still a part of the problem? And right. here's the good news. This was hard for me to swallow for a bit, but I went, wait a second. When I fly out of a city and I look down at all these homes and all these businesses, I realize that we as a human species have done something incredible in the last 200 years. We built all this from scratch using technology, right? And capital and all these things. We've built cities, we built homes, we built cars, we built planes. We built all this stuff in the last couple hundred years. Now, what can we do in the next seven to 10 years? to move everything to a sustainable place. And I believe that when we do this, we will unlock more abundance and more capital than our species has ever experienced. Because the simple reality is we can create heaven on earth if we design it properly. But right now, the way we've been doing life, the way we produce our energy, the way we travel, the food that we eat, all of that stuff, and there's 80 categories that need to shift. We shift those 80 categories and we will literally create an, a planet that every single one of us would love to be a part of. Yeah, that's powerful and a, and a great vision and, and doable and, and a reality with people like you helping lead the pack. Where on, if people are going, hmm, this is interesting. I didn't know half of this or any of this. Where's the, some of the best resources? And we can put the links in the show notes to go and learn more about some of these things if people are statistic oriented, if they're case study oriented, if they're fact and fit, you know, fact and figure oriented. Where are some places we can send our listeners to challenge these thoughts they're having or yours or to confirm them in their own minds? Where are some suggestions you have? 
Well, I would say number one, you're going to go down whatever pathway you go. I'll, I'll share with you. This is one of my favorites and it's by a friend of mine, Paul Hawken, who is one of the premier climate scientists out there. He's also in this book. It's called Draw Down the Most Comprehensive Plan Ever Proposed to Reverse Global Warming. They did all the research and, you know, I recommend you read chapter one and then page 222, right? And because chapter one, he talks about the science and then he talks about the financial side, right? So it's not just the carbon side, but it's the financial side of this and the mass amounts of abundance that we'll create. And then on page 222, he lays out a chart that says, here's the industries producing the most carbon that's causing all of this in order. So you know how many gigatons. And then all we have to do is to, and we already know the solutions, we just have to implement these solutions. That's why I said in the beginning, it's one thing to have a vision. It's another to execute on it, to build yeah. the team, to raise the capital and to execute very quickly on these things. And yeah. the way I look at it, Steve, is like this. <laughs> if you said, all right, we've got 8 billion people on this planet. We've got unlimited capital. We've been printing it like it's going out of style. Could we shift 8 billion people into a new direction for the next seven years and shift the course of humanity? I think we can. Yeah, I think we can as well. And I think we will. I mean, it creates new, anytime these challenges of new products, services, necessities come, as you were talking about earlier in the, in the, in the call or the show about your biggest things came from pain points of being pushed through pain through evolution. And I think that's happening in our planet. And, you know, some people on the, on, on the show listening or viewing may not be religious or spiritual, or maybe they're spiritual and not religious, or maybe they're religious and spiritual. It, it, that, that is up to them. What I do know is for me, there is a spiritual solution to every problem and just a description of us evolving as a humanity of, of humanity and just the technology that exists and realizing there's a lot more sun coming down every day for the for our kids, grandkids, et cetera, than there is fossil fuels. And there's also other ways also that energy can be created. So us to be evolving as humanity to look at these new uh, economies that can be created. And yes, some of these uh, you know fossil fuel companies that are making billions and billions of dollars can evolve into new business models. They can create new ways to help make money. And one of the things I love about power is not only did you guys initially make this about the people, part of the fundraising you did, you had, um, you know, you had a, a fundraise that broke all kinds of records in the way you raised money. And then in the way you now pay your people and how consumers can get access to saving on their uh, on their energy bills, two different unique things that are kind of not common, but worked really well for you. So can you t talk uh, just uh, briefly about each one of those topics? Yeah, so when you're looking at raising capital, you typically go to your friends, family, or high net worth individuals. And of course we did that, right? We made our list, we talked to people, we shared the vision and mission. Um, but we also realized that this wasn't about a handful of people making a bunch more money. What it was about was engaging the crowd. And so we did a crowdfund campaign. This was back in the early days, um, so seven years ago. And we did it on a platform called WeFunder. And uh, we were the, the fastest to raise a million dollars at the time in an equity crowdfund on that platform. So that was cool. It was neat. It was fun. More importantly, we got a lot of people. We'd never done that before, but we got a lot of people who said, hey, I believe in this. I want to put 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500, 20, you know, thousand, whatever in. Some people put 100,000 in. And that became our initial, you know, vision holders. They helped us hold that vision uh, with that capital and to invest in the, in the platform. And then we came back 
And as a company that was doing a hundred million in revenue, we had uh, thousands. We had actually at the time, I think a little over 5,000, 1099 Salesforce. You talk about the gig economy. Our platform allowed anybody to license our software and start up their own solar business from the palm of their hand for less than a hundred bucks. They could literally go into business today, help a homeowner shift their home from dirty energy to clean energy, save the homeowner hundreds of dollars a month by doing that. And then they could make a, a you know a, a decent living by helping these homeowners do that for less than a hundred bucks a month. So that's the platform that we built. That's what we still have. But we came back onto that WeFunder platform and said we now have five thousand salespeople. And by the way, we're we're over that now. But they all want to own a piece of this, right? We are planning to take this company out and to let the world own this company, uh, with, you know, going public with it. So how can those people who've helped us build this also own it? So we did a second crowdfund. Uh, we didn't actually need the capital at the time. And we did a second crowdfund. And then we ended up, um, I forget exactly how much it was we raised. It was something like 13 million or something like that. Um, but it happened almost immediately. We were the, the biggest company to come back and do a crowdfund at that level. So what's, what's interesting about that is it shows that people want this. People want yeah. a new career path. People want to be able to earn income. They want to be able to, uh, you know, own a piece of the company. And so we've now built like five different financial pathways for people to connect to our company and all of them are disruptive. And um, that's what we keep doing is looking at how do we make it, how do we make it more and more profitable for the homeowner to switch and more and more profitable for the sales force to help people? Because this is about the crowd taking responsibility for our energy. And it's not about me and Jonathan, you know, cashing in and flying Lear jets. This is about us saying, hey, there's 8 billion of us on this planet. We all created the, the previous condition. We can now all be a part of the solution. And um, that, that really drives us every day is to make this a crowd initiative or a crowd movement. That's powerful. Well, what's great about your product, and we're coming in the tail end of the show here, and we're going to roll into another segment on the Instagram stuff that we always like to do. But it, it, what I love about your, your company and the products of which you utilize is that you offer a homeowner so many choices. Basically, they're uploading a, an energy bill, and they have access to all the providers in their area that are of any quality or substance. So they get choices and options on how they can access this power. They don't have to just do it in one way through one company. So you, you guys have really created a, a choice, not only for your salespeople, but for the consumer, which really lets people feel comfortable and analyzing how, when, and what they want to do uh, and how they want to save or, or, you know, make, you know, save money and or uh, invest in helping the planet. So good stuff. We're going to make sure we have powers, links and stuff in our show notes so that people can learn more about getting part of it if they'd like to. Uh, the power site, powr.com has a lot of videos and blogs and information. Jonathan has some videos on there about his story, about how his team and him uh, and, and uh, everyone got started. So we'll make sure those are in the show notes. Uh, and Jim, I want to roll into a, a segment that we do. Um, and uh, then we're going to wrap up the show with some uh, closing comments on, on spirituality and then your closing thoughts for the guest. But we, we like to do a segment called Instantly Interesting Instagram. Uh, and I was almost not going to do this because I was so intrigued by all you're talking about. But I, I think it's relevant because it shows the, uh, the way in which entrepreneurs, people, thought leaders, change makers, impact leaders can have a well-rounded life of some of the things that you've already been mentioning. You've 
do from traveling through the, you know, the Amazon to contributing to spending time with your family. So I always like to do this segment because uh, it, it's fun. So uh, let's jump in. If you're still interested in playing instantly, interesting Instagram. Sound good? So we've Game got th three quick rules. Basically, what we did is we took a quick dive on some of your photos on your Instagram feed. We're then going to pull them up. The interesting ones, there was tons of them, but we just pulled up a handful because we're going to keep this as a quick segment. And then without any context from us, and then you share quickly and tell us more about what's happening in that photo and what compelled you that day to post that photo. So for those of you that are listening and you can't view, I'm going to describe the photo for you because some of you can't see this. So you're only listening. But uh, we have um, a photo here of what looks like somebody looking out over a mountain uh, very high at the top of something with, I believe, a snowboard on the right of their hand. I'm assuming this may be you because it's the back of a helmet and a jacket. So tell us what's happening in this uh, in this photo, Jim. That is me and my wife and son are standing behind me. We were on a snowboard trip and I was just, every time I get to the top of a peak and I'm an avid snowboarder, so is my wife and my son, um, I'm reminded that the journey to the top takes effort, but the view is amazing. And so I pause, I take a look around and I realize that even though I've climbed the mountain and I'm standing on, there's another one over there I haven't been on. And that's one of the things that drives me. Very, very cool. The next one is a shot of an ocean with a looks like a, a dusk shot. I actually know what this is, so I'm not going to give it away. So why would you be taking a picture of this ocean with a, a light and a, and a sole palm tree here? Tell us about what's happening in this photo. Well, that's from my kitchen, and uh, that's how I check the surf every morning. That particular day, oh, it was that's ice, a sunrise. Yeah, it's ice cold, and uh, and you know, it you you either to do dawn patrol to check the surf in the morning. You typically hop in your car, or your bike, or whatever, and you cruise up and down the coast. Um, but you know, success has its benefits, and this one was I can check the surf uh, from my favorite surf spot from my kitchen while I'm still nice and warm before I go get in that ice cold water. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And how often are you out getting surfing these days? Uh, a little bit more now that I'm no longer in the day-to-day -day executive role at Power. Um, I've made it a commitment that I try to surf, you know, or sw I swim and surf at least four or five times a week now. And so, um, you know, it, yeah, <laughs> it's more now than it was uh, for the first five years. That's for sure. Well, now your son is, how old is he now? 16. Yeah, Tegan. So that is even now a whole nother you reliving your youth all over again because you've been such an adventure. Now you're doing a lot of that with your son. So you get to go round two and three now of uh, the next generation with you and your your wife and him. So we're going to up here. We're popping on the screen for those that want. We're going to have a few more uh, minutes here with Jim, but I want to make sure everyone sees his. If you're viewing this, his website, uh, we have his contact information. So, Jim, I think the best way for people to, to get with you here, we've got slide 14 up, which is uh, your website, jimbunch.com. You have Instagram, Facebook. We're going to put all those in the show notes. Is that the best way for people to reach out to you to start the journey of learning more about Jim? And then we'll also have power uh, on the site as or on our show notes as well. Yeah, I have not been as active on social the last two years because I came back into the company to help build the next stage of it. Um, but I've been getting that hint again that it's time to start uh, doing more of these kinds of things where we're inspiring people to step up and live a great life and be a part of this impact movement. So, yeah, I will probably start broadcasting a little bit more and teach people uh, about life and business so they can always message me there. 
Awesome. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. And as we're wrapping up, you have really weaved this in very well, as I knew you would, because you're a guy that does well by doing good and you pay it forward. And you're, you just exude spirituality just from the way you live. You don't have to talk about it. But I'm just curious, as we're wrapping up the alchemy of business, one of the reasons I picked the name alchemy for my consulting company is because it is that, that thing that is the formula for each individual's person of the formula for them that really makes up their life, their beliefs, their passion, why they live. And in this show, uh, we talk a lot about business and growth and making money and new products. But I'm always curious about the spirituality side, which you've mentioned a few times throughout the show. What is your definition of spirituality or religion? And how do you incorporate that into your, your practices beyond some of the things we've already talked about? So the way I define spirituality is, is this belief in something greater, whatever you want to call it, God, Allah, Yahweh, Krishna, Buddha, it doesn't matter to me. What religion is, is by definition, two or more people gathered with a common belief about spirituality. So it's in the religions and the belief systems place for me. And I grew up religious. Um, I still have my set of core beliefs about um, all of that. But I think for me, you know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've recognized that the more I understand that I'm connected to everything, and, and, and this is the, the way that I, I explain it to my son, I said, you know, look at it this way. When you took physical form, which is hard for a 16 year old to get, right? But, yeah. you know, basically your mom and dad got together, a biochemical reaction happened, and two cells became four cells, eight, 16. Your mom, you basically pulled all of your carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen from your mom. Right. And then you came out and you created this body. But you are a, you are a spiritual being that has assembled matter for a certain period of time. And at some point you're going to take your last breath and you're going to return all of that material to where you got it, which was the planet. We are all a part of this. So if you think you're separate, that's an illusion. The simple reality is, is that you and I breathe the same air that was here when Jesus walked the planet. You and I are drinking the same water that was here when the dinosaurs were dipping their heads into that water. We're living inside of this, this cell called planet Earth, and we're not separate from it. We don't have dominion or domain over it. We actually are supposed to be here to be the participants and the caretakers of it because it is us. And so if we want to be happier, if we want to be healthier, if we want to be wealthier, and when I say wealthier, I mean living in an abundant space instead of in a scarce space, then what we really need to do is to recognize we are all of this. We are all connected, every single one of us, and anything we do to someone else, we're doing to ourselves. So let's, let's get together. Let's have fun. I also believe, final piece on this, I believe that for the first time in our species history, we have 5 billion of 8 billion of us that are connected through the internet, through mobile devices. We've never had that before. And I believe the reason why is the same way that if you go underwater in the ocean and you ever see a school of fish, right? And they're just heading the same direction. All of a sudden they change direction. Yeah. yeah. What happened? One fish realized there was danger and every other one followed. Reacted, We're yeah. in the same place. We recognize that we need to change directions. And when we do, we will live an amazing, abundant life. Well, thank you, Mr. Jim Bunth, for reminding us that we are caretakers and givers of earth. And that was a phenomenal summary of spirituality and how to incorporate not only for our kids, our sons, our daughters, but for the world. And I'm so glad that you're the lead fish that 
uh, that shifts because uh, people like to follow you and believe in what you're saying because you speak truth and uh, you walk your talk. So thank you, Mr. Jim Bunch, for being on the show, the Alchemy Advisors, uh, Alchemy of Business, excuse me, through the Alchemy Advisors. Uh, we're glad you were here and we're going to make sure that this show gets out because what you're doing in the world with you and your team is amazing and the planet needed. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Steve, for all the work you're doing and the lives you're impacting. Thank you, Jim. All right, everyone, we will be back. Thank you for listening in to the Alchemy of Business. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe, make a comment, uh, follow us some more. We appreciate your support. Thanks again. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed and see you soon.